Hello and welcome to the Manchester Football Social with Blue Moon Rising. My name is Stephen McInerney. I'm here with Danny Jackson and Sam Lee. We're going to be talking about City's dead good and dead bad kits, uh, about Fulham, about Ryan Sterling, Phil Foden, absolutely loads. Don't forget as well, if you're new to this, make sure you hit subscribe on the Manchester Football Social podcast. Manchester City Football Social with Blue Moon Rising. Good evening, Manchester, and welcome to the Manchester City Football Social with Blue Moon Rising. It is Wednesday, it is six o'clock, and for the next hour, we are going to be talking about all things City, all things Centurions, all things the Champions, so get involved, we'd love to hear from you. Hit us on the text, 87711, uh, on Twitter, at Social, or give us a call, 0345 and uh, I've not been in it for a few weeks. I actually feel like I know. I actually feel like uh, I'm the uh, the new boy in the studio. But somebody who's here more than Clint Boone at the moment uh, is uh, Steve McInerney. Good evening, Steve. How are you, mate? I'm good, man. I'm good. You? Oh, good. Oh, good to see you. By the way, Likewise. good to see you. Yeah. You. And of course, uh, the man who is in the know about literally everything. I'm going to tee you up that well. <laughs> uh, as well. Is of course Mr. Sam Lee from Goal.com. Sam, how are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. And if you keep the compliments coming like that, I'll keep coming back. We just want transfer <laughs> tips, mate. That's uh, it. I'm just going to butter you up for them transfer tips. We'll but see what uh, we can do. we've got loads to talk about, as always. Even though it's the international break, even though people are probably bored to tears, no matter how good England are, it's just not City, is it? So a little bit later in the show, we're going to give you the chance to uh, ask us some questions. Uh, I believe this is something the uh, the guys on a Tuesday night have been getting involved in. So we've got 60 seconds to answer some questions. Uh, we're also going to be talking about City's next fixture. The Premier League is back this Saturday, 12:30, Craven Cottage. City versus Fulham uh, and we're going to be talking right now about one man who is absolutely in the limelight at the moment and and a guy that let's just say he's probably at the top of his game uh, his stock has never been higher and that is of course Mr Raheem Sterling so uh, Steve this is a guy that you know he's had his challenges over the years particularly from the media particularly from the, the maybe the public perception of him um, he's always kept his head down you know I, I, I've said yeah. this numerous times over over the last couple of years on this show this is a guy that just couldn't be nicer if he tried you know he's a lovely guy he's great with the uh, the young City fans he's happy to get involved in all kinds of stuff all the charity stuff but this this is a baller. This is a guy on the pitch that is just he's just excelling. On fire, he? He's on fire at the moment. What have you made of his performances? You know, to start with for England over this break. Do you know what? More than his performances, the emotional aspect of it has been um, something else. Just watch to watch him grow as a person, you know, and feel that comfortable in an England shirt when previously he's been so I guess kind of scared of making a mistake because people would jump down his throat. But uh, his performances were the ones of a leader, someone growing in confidence, someone who's undergone uh, a transformation the past couple of years as an individual not as just as a player um, and I think this story about his redemption is a bit kind of it's a bit fickle because he never needed redemption yeah, in the yeah, first yeah. place you know he didn't did he like the idea that he'd done something wrong was it was nonsense it was just and there's certain elements as well of the media now I, it feels a bit annoying hearing them yeah, it feels like they're overcompensating. And also, some feel like they're acting like they pointed him in the right direction, which is just nonsense. Once again, he was never off path. But either way, his performance is. I think it's something like eight goals in his last five games now across all competitions. And... um He's scoring a hell of a lot of goals. He's creating goals as well. He's running uh, more than ever. He's just his overall game just looks confident. Um, and people are seeing what City fans have seen now for a long time. And it just felt so nice to see him have the confidence to stand up to that abuse he got from the Montenegro fans. Because uh, for me, um, big players, uh, important players, do important things. And that was quite a contentious thing to do to stand up and you know in the face of that abuse and actually. Uh, even though he was just celebrating in front of them, I feel like he forced that conversation to be had. Um, so he's taking responsibility. And I feel like, honestly, 12 months ago, he would have kept his head down and ran away there. I'm not saying he had to do that, but I feel like it, it shows his inner strength at the moment to feel like he can do that. And people will stand stand by him where previously uh, they would have just pushed him away or ignored him or said somehow he would have riled them up himself or something like that. Basically, it's just really positive on all fronts for Sterling and it's great. He's golden boy at the minute, isn't he? Yeah. Um, his, his form speaks for itself. Um, for a couple of weeks now, we've been talking about maybe Player of the Year. The, obviously, the voting's around now for the, the PFA Player of the Year, at least. Um, the Football Writers one may be in contention for that. Yeah. And with the way the narrative's gone recently, like you say, 
it's 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 almost a bit overblown in a way because what he's doing is great, but he's all he's just yeah. kind of being himself, which he always has been. And I mean, he's admitted himself. I spoke to him recently, luckily, just for something I was doing on Jaden Sancho, and he said the advice he gave to him um, was to wake up a bit more, a bit earlier in his yeah. career, not make the same mistakes that he did. So we appreciate he's made like a couple of mistakes, but nothing. Like if you were reading some of the newspapers now or listening to the radio shows, you'd maybe think he was a, like a proper bad boy. Yeah, like you know, Rooney really stuff. Yeah, when Rooney was yeah. sleeping around with things we can't mention. That kind of stuff. <laughs> but, it's, <laughs> but it's nothing like that. But it's, <laughs> not, but, oh, yeah, but it's nothing like that. It's just you know, just you know, being young and with money and maybe not knowing no. Not not knowing what to do with it, and you know the the kind of hip and that's difficult. That you know, like stuff. like normal guys like thing. us would look at it and think, well, you know, what have they got to worry about? But you know, what what comes with the money is the you know obviously is the success is the attention for a young kid. That's difficult to yeah. handle, isn't yeah. it? You know what I mean? And I I, I never, I mean, like us all, we probably probably all of us in this studio, we've looked at the, some of the criticism he's faced over the last couple of years. Why is it because he left Liverpool to go and win trophies? You know that could, he used to get like you talked about. I think last night on the on the show, Steve, he used to get booed by Burnley fans. He, like, he used to get booed <laughs> by. You know, I don't think he does as much now because I do think the perception of him is is changing, and I think he's done a lot to enhance that, particularly you know, in kind of over the last few months. Not only have his level of performance has gone through the roof, but also. What he's saying publicly is just bang on. I don't know whether he's got... You know what, Sam? You may know whether there's somebody behind him kind of pulling them strings. I actually don't think there is with Raheem. Well, I think he's always just said things and done things that he believed was right. And, and, and at the moment, people are lapping it up. Well, the post, the post that he did in December, which obviously shone a light on it, because obviously there's overt racism and there's maybe the stuff that people don't realise. You know, maybe the fans who do boo him... Yeah. They maybe don't realise what it is. It's just the the, the way the coverage is, is seeped. Yeah, through. they're following the trend. But I think uh, that post. I think that was him. Yeah, that was from the heart, um, and that obviously been bubbling up for a while. Recently, uh, I think he's got the same guy doing his Twitter that, that does Mendy's. Yeah, I've so, heard that as well. So yeah. and once I mean once you hear that, you can look at the tweets over the last month. I think it's only about a month or so. But the one last night, obviously that that reflects what he's thinking. But you can you can see it with the use of the emojis and that kind of stuff. It, it is kind of similar to it the shows anyway. Batchway kind of output. Definitely, but he, I mean he he definitely believes these things. And like we say, the main one in December he had to was sign off as well. Him. Definitely, and you know he's do, he's doing the interviews. You know, he, like Callum Hudson Odoi gave a great interview about racism last night, especially considering his age. Yeah, uh, but but Sterling did one as well. So these are definitely things. You know, this is this is his voice. This is. These are the issues that he wants to project out there. Um, in certain cases, it's not necessarily him doing the tweeting. But as we saw with the Sancho tweet that was deleted last week, where it was a joke, and he said, "Oh, so you've got, I hear you've got a release clause." He deleted <laughs> that because that wasn't up to him. But he must have thought, "Oh, this is a bit too far." A bit like the Kyle Walker, um, Harry Maguire one. Yeah, yeah. Back in January. Harmless. But bit. yeah, the, the yeah the thing with Sterling is these are his beliefs. This is what he thinks. Like I say, he's always kind of acted in his own way. But the idea of redemption is just too far because he was never going crazy in the first place. He was never doing the things to deserve the labels that he was getting. Um, and now, you know, he's just taking that kind of social responsibility a bit further forward. But he was always kind of doing that. And now there's just a bit more attention paid to it. And it always helps if you're a great player, which he is. And as he, Steve, as he, do you think he's he's hitting form exactly the right time yeah, in definitely. terms of performances? I mean, like Sam said there, it is around now, we believe, that the, um, you know, they are going to make the. The nominations for player of the season. He's very much in well, everyone's thoughts. I actually made me laugh last night. Um, I was looking at, on Sunday, sorry, looking at some of the Twitter reaction to Van Dyke's performance. Um, and it was almost kind of as if it was kind of staged because I watched that game. Van Dyke was pretty decent. He was you know, all right. He, he, had he, a, yeah. he had a decent game. Not enough to, to get much, too, as much criticism as he got. Um, do you think there's a little bit of an agenda out there that maybe people are trying to, trying to sway towards but you know, decisions being made in favour of Sterling? Well, the thing that's telling for me is that there's a lot of goodwill from fellow footballers towards Sterling at the moment, and ultimately they're the ones who made the calls and decisions. Like you've seen people like Paul Pogba popping up on his Instagram status. If it's, if it's Pogba himself or someone doing it for him, either way, Pogba will know and agree with those messages appearing on Sterling's Instagram. No, I think he did an actual interview. I think there was some. Oh, yeah, he said an interview as well, yeah, didn't yeah, he? Yeah. yeah. So, so essentially, you've got all these very high-profile footballers defending Sterling, maybe because some of them feel like they can relate to his problems he's had, and Van Dijk hasn't had those problems, thankfully. You know, in terms of that intense criticism. And football, football in general as a sport loves a narrative, you know, and this 
this narrative is being woven. I, I would love it. I, I mean, I don't feel it'd be harsh if you won that on Van Dijk. I think Sterling has had just as good a season in his own right, and I think he's been fantastic. And if he won it, he would ultimately, he definitely deserve it for many reasons, not just how good he's at football, just because of how strong he is as a person um, as well. But um, yeah, this, the timing's interesting. It's very interesting. I mean, it's crazy that they vote this time of the year anyway. It doesn't make any sense to me. But Sterling is um, a consistently brilliant footballer for Manchester City Football Club. And footballers now are getting behind him. You've got to look at any of his posts on Twitter or Instagram and see the footballers replying to him. They want it. I think some people want him to win um, because I think they like him as a person. And I think some of those people can relate to some of the things he's gone through. So it could, um, weirdly, those, those troubles he's had could help him in the long run, you know, in mm. terms of uh, being a better person, being a better player, and maybe getting some of the recognition that he might not have got otherwise, yeah. which is, you know, a horrible twist of fate, but sometimes football does that. Yeah. Um, another player which uh, I suppose is uh, kind of looking to follow the path of Raheem Sterling in terms of success on the pitch for City is, uh, is Phil Foden. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, he's with the under-21s at the minute. Um, he he played, was it last week, Sam, last Thursday? Yeah, last, yeah, yeah. yeah middle, middle of last week. He played with James Madison. He actually looked better than, than Madison on, yeah. on that particular yeah. game. And he's playing against Germany tonight, so that's yeah. one to keep in yeah. mind. But there's, there's a little bit of concern, potentially, if you read between the lines on, on, on what he said. I mean, this year, uh, he, he was said after the game, it's good just to get some minutes uh, because at my club, I don't really get many. I lost quite a bit of fitness, but it's coming black, back slowly. Uh, that was due to not playing. So h- how do you read that, guys? What, well, what's your thoughts on something like that? Well, f- I mean, for a few weeks, I can't I can't say too much on this because it's not, it's not something I've gathered myself. It's from someone else. But for the last couple of weeks, there's kind of been murmurings from around Foden that people weren't happy. But I kind of took that with a pinch of salt. So... For a hypothetical, a hypothetical example, because I'll give you, I'll say it's his dad. It's not his dad, so it's hypothetical. This isn't happened, but if his dad were to be very unhappy with his playing situation, and say, for example, it was a Swansea game and he was livid that he didn't play, you think, well, I could understand that because you know, if your family, if your representatives or whatever, you may be looking at Foden thinking he should be playing these games. And I know a lot of um, youth team coaches in City feel the same way. But that's not necessarily the feelings that Foden may have because Foden may well look at it. He sat down with Guardiola. Yeah, yeah. He knows his path. He will look at that Swansea team and go, well, I'm not as good as David Silva. I'm not as good as Bernardo Silva. I'm going to bide my time. So there have been a few of those things building up in recent weeks people where around people around him have been unhappy. And I've, like I say, taking it with a pinch of salt because you think Foden may well just think, oh, it's okay. I know what route I'm doing. I'm playing quite a lot of minutes. I'm not playing as many as I could, but fine. But when I saw these comments the other day, I thought, oh, maybe he's not entirely happy himself and mm. that's the interesting thing for him to have said that um, it didn't get an awful lot of coverage actually it was yeah i saw these quite low down in a in a telegraph article and it wasn't even that wasn't even the headline it wasn't like foden unhappy with playing time it was just a piece on foden he said oh and it was actually quite interesting to see him say this and admit he wasn't entirely happy with his situation at city so it's kind of an but interesting the, rea- one, the realism that. is he's not going to be you know yeah, let, yeah, let's yeah. be honest this is an 18 year old kid with the world at his feet people are raving about him he's a golden boy in the world cup you know he's he's obviously going to be looking at the likes of Jaden Sancho that's gone abroad to to play football really establish himself now he's in the England team now they're talking 100 million pound transfers for him so you know for me he's not deep down he's not going to be, be happy but I, I'm sure our manager Pep Guardiola has sat down with him and has, has mapped out his future. Maybe that is this season, you know, yes, you're going to be used sparingly. Next season, we're going to be looking to ramp that up. And the season after, we want you as a replacement for David Silver. I'm not saying it's going to be as simple as that, but I'm sure Pep will have thought this through properly. I'm sure deep down Foden, he's a little bit frustrated. The guy wants to play, he's 18 year old, he wants to play football, but I don't necessarily, I, I read them comments and don't necessarily jump on the idea that he's really unha- unhappy. I just think he's a little bit frustrated. He wants to play more, but yeah. I think the bigger picture will 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 kind of materialise more over the next couple of seasons. Well, there was a second part of that quote, I think, where he said, um, hopefully I'm going to grow a bit, which will help me, or something like that, where he talked about he's aware that he needs to physically grow. So um, he's aware, essentially, of some of the barriers to entry at the moment. And for me, Foden, and I've actually met a couple of his families on, they seem like lovely people, really grounded, very oh, lovely. I know, they're so nice they're people, good aren't fun. they? <laughs> they're yeah, really good like, fun. I remember stood chatting to his dad at under-18s game a long time ago, he was just such a nice guy. And then, like, um, and Phil himself seems to be really grounded and, and it doesn't seem the kind of person to kick the hornet's nest after everything and I'm like I think everyone's aware in that camp 
of Guardiola's kind of like all-consuming eye in terms of Guardiola and notices any form of kind of discontent or he's very much like I want to see happy mm. faces as he says yeah, often yeah, you know true. so at the moment I don't see why Phil Foden having signed that contract would try and wind Guardiola up a little bit I, I'm not, maybe it's a little bit of frustration maybe he's not chose his words correctly but or maybe there's people around him constantly pushing him to say certain yeah, things yeah influence got, yeah and yeah, he got well, a bit frustrated with the situation and he said oh, well, maybe I didn't play well because I'm, I'm lacking fitness because I've not played many minutes you know that kind of thing but I don't think he's trying to um, cause trouble I think he's just trying to be relatively honest you know like an, mm. um, and I think uh, if he had any problems, well, for one, I think he would have uh, mapped it out with Guardiola, as you've said. Uh, and I think he probably understands at the moment whether City are chasing down a pretty historic quadruple. Uh, Guardiola is not going to make any compromises for Phil Foden. And I think Foden should have played against Swansea. But at the same time, I think Phil Foden will know from training, as Sam said, you know, David Silva's better than me and all this kind of stuff. Uh, he seems quite a realistic young lad. Um, it's... It, you could definitely take it the other way. I think it's just a little bit of honesty, and I think it'd be the kind of quote he might have to be his mood in that day, you know, kind of thing. But I don't. I'm not worried. I'm not worried because I think he'll grow more to the team. I think he's actually starting to show as well when he plays more. He's, he's still he's showing improving, more. isn't he? Yeah. Like in that England game the other night, I know. I know it's only it was the, the best under 21 pitch, yeah. level, and he's only and he's been used to playing with older opponents, which is going to make him better. But he's he spoke recently about improving defensively in particular and his yeah. defensive contribution and you could see the other night playing against Poland he was constantly checking over his shoulder he was tracking back a lot so you can see that he's taking that advice on board but I think yeah, it is obvious that he's a little bit frustrated um, but having said that he, you know, he signed a six year deal not too long ago like, obviously it was this yeah. season so and City aren't going to loan him out they're not going to sell him and I mean maybe with the whole Gundogan situation that's ticking over that you know there's a possibility I'm not sure I couldn't put a percentage on it, but there's a possibility that Gundogan could leave. You know, there's every chance that Foden will play even more next season. And for an 18-year-old, let's not forget, he's played quite a lot. He's in the top Six 10. Six goals as There's well. not many 18-year-olds in the whole of Europe playing regular first-team football in the top flight. Um, and that of those, last time I checked, there was only seven playing more than him. And not by much. Statman Sam because, Well, yeah. <laughs> incredibly bored on need a blue Sunday. version of that. It took me yeah. two hours scrolling through transfer market. But it was worth it, though, wasn't it? Sancho's played, well, I'll say, yeah, almost. <laughs> Sancho's played the most because he just plays a lot, which is not normal. Yeah. You know, that's the exception. And the rest are all pretty similar. Um, but Foden's up there. He's, he's playing... A lot more football's changed than the very few eighteen-year-olds really who, who play top-flight football. Uh, I don't think there's anything to worry about on the phone in front there. One person though who could be coming back and making a bit of a surprise uh, this weekend is Benjamin Mendy. Now he was essentially he was training yesterday. Uh, he's been away. I think it's Abu Dhabi or sort of Dubai, one of the two, um, doing a bit of kind of hot weather yeah, training. Yeah, I think it was silver as well. Was yeah, over to there get and... some conditioning back. And um, uh, he's kind of like the forgotten man, really. And essentially, people just joking. He's essentially just a social media guy from Manchester City now and but people forget how good he could actually be and is this his chance now uh, to kind of prove that he, he can actually be Manchester City's left back uh, because he's running out of time I think most people would argue he, need, he needs to you know he needs to get game time it's really it's really unusual for a guy of his age I mean it, when he came back in that cup game and I know it, I can't remember who it was against and it was a frozen pitch the it was a hard pitch yeah. the Burton game and then you know, there were no nothing said, but then he was gone again for another yeah. five months. Then he <laughs> yeah. comes back to training, everyone's thinking he's on the way back, then he's gone again. You know, you just have to hope it's not another false storm with Benjamin Mendy because you can see the assets that this guy has got, you know, and, and to me, it's offensively as opposed to defensively. You know, I'm not sure he's the greatest defensive left back, but is Kyle Walker so the greatest the defensive right back? No, yeah. I wouldn't say. But in, in terms of the, our system, the way Pep wants his fullbacks to play, Benjamin Mendy could be vital. I mean, he registered kind of five assists, was it, in about five, six Premier League games? Yeah. You know, the, the, the kind of that old, them overlapping runs and his it's delivery. Not just that because are his amazing. impact on the team, he can cover that whole flank by himself. You know, City, since he got injured really at the start of the season, there's some other factors as well, but. Guardiola's basically stuck with 4-3-3 for yeah. most of the season. But when Mendy was fit at the start of the season, he was changing every week. He was going for that real kind yeah. of tactical flexibility. That yeah, because it got to a point where it was really either Guardiola Sané or Mendy were in yeah, the team. exactly. Yeah. And whenever Mendy's in the team, obviously what he does himself is fantastic. He's, there's, not, there's not many players, if any, like him anywhere. But what, he, what his availability does is just offer City so much in terms of flexibility as well. And maybe, you know, with so many games coming up, needing to keep things fresh maybe you know playing Spurs three times keep people guessing yeah. 
if Mendy is fit, and I don't think he's going to be able to come back and hit the ground running and play 90 minutes, 90 minutes, 90 minutes, but with so many games in April, if he can come in and mix things up and City can play a new formation here and there, that could be really interesting. And, you know, if City get to the semi-finals of the Champions League, even the final, maybe, if it's Barcelona or Liverpool and you need something different, then what Mendy can do on the pitch is really, really add something different. Off the pitch, he's a maverick and who knows. Yeah, great. Well, um, thanks. After We're going to go to a, a break now. Uh, a little bit later, we want to get your questions for either uh, myself, Steve, or um, to Sam. Uh, so give us a tweet at MCR Footy Social. Um, and also, we want to we want to get your guys' thoughts. We're like, let's have a think of this over the break. I want to know, and you guys out there, the worst and best ever is the city kit in your opinion yeah. yeah we've okay. seen that we've seen the uh, the the nike celebration, celebration. collaboration <laughs> kit which um has been kind of publicized over the last couple of days uh through manchester city not saying it's my favorite thing i've ever seen but there's some <laughs> nice individual kits I bet Sam likes it. within that I'm, I'm not too sure he does looking at his face <laughs> but what's your best what's your worst uh city kit in your opinion uh, we'll have a chat about ours a little bit later but um give us a you know give us a tweet give us a uh, a text on that and uh, and also check out Manchester Football Social's YouTube channel um, the legend that is Johnny Marr had his say on which was his favourite and which was his least favourite kit so check that out uh, we'll go to a break uh, and see you in a couple of minutes Hey I'm Ryan Reynolds recently I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. It's... Manchester City Football Social with Blue Moon Rising. Hello, welcome back to the Manchester Football Social. My name is Stephen McInerney. I'm here with Danny Jackson and Sam Lee. We're chatting about Manchester City until 7 o'clock because there's loads going on. Despite it being the international break, we've got plenty of talking points. We also want to know what your favourite or worst ever Manchester City kit is. So get, get tweeting at us on Manchester Football Social. There's loads up there already. You can text as well on 87711. If you want to ring in and rant about Nike or something like that, 0345 treble 17625. But before we get to that and before we get to our 60 seconds kind of quiz at the end of the show as well we're going to talk about Manchester City Premier League games it's back uh, at the weekend we're playing Fulham it's going to be a huge game uh, typically I'm nervous because Fulham have lost about seven games in a row which therefore uh, <laughs> makes me think we're going to somehow mess this up but uh, is my confidence or lack of confidence unfounded Sam like, should this be should this be a walk in the park for City given Fulham's form at the moment well there's definitely a few things to worry about um, after the international break Guardiola always says you know, the players, they're in a different rhythm. They're not, yeah. you know, they're not plugged into the city matrix, as it were. You know, they've you know they've got other coaches' ideas in their head. Uh, it's a half-trial game. And normally, you know, teams can find kind of struggle to find a rhythm. I think a lot of a lot of players just take sleeping pills to sleep the night before and maybe that has an effect <laughs> on the body. And, and I think that's a, that's a genuine thing. And also, you know, whilst I spoke to Guardiola about the whole international break thing beforehand and he said it's easier when you play at home away from home it's it's a little trickier but you know he thinks they should be alright so there's a few things to be concerned with but the other side you know tipping the scales back in City's favour is the fact that well City are really good and Fulham are terrible <laughs> terrible you think they go as far as that Danny I mean they have literally lost seven games in a row and um, it is looking good for them obviously a bit of change and upheaval with Fulham squad this year uh, and in general I think I am worrying for the sake of it. This is what we do, City fans. We worry about it, but this should, surely should be a game that City, you know, turn up and do well. Could you see any like the Fernandinho Stones playing maybe playing maybe because they are back in training now as well alongside Mendy and De Bruyne. Yeah, possibly. Um, yeah, I, I mean, terrible. I think is <coughs> quite kind to Fulham really in, in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, I've not watched loads of them, but when I've watched them. I just find them, they're just so slow in possession. I think against high tempo, high pressing sides, I just think they're going to struggle. I mean, I know Liverpool made hard work of it uh, just before the international break against Fulham, but that first half, I was sat there almost kind of, I couldn't, I couldn't believe how poor Fulham were. They were just so poor on the ball. Um, I understand the other kickoff. I understand coming back from an international break, but bear in mind they've got to go through that as well. And the fact that you know we were quite lucky this time; we didn't have quite as many 
on that international break as we normally would. Some of these guys have been out and got got a bit some refreshed. Of the key players, yeah, yeah, some of the key players, you know, and, and like you said, there, you know, we've got yeah. injuries to come back. I mean, I'm sure every City fan was like me was just salivating at the pictures that they were tweeting oh, so today nice. uh, Fernandinho back in training and Kevin De Bruyne back in training Stonesy back in training so even if they're not completely fit for Fulham we are by the looks of it Touchwood Mendy included as well we're going to see a little bit more of them you know in the in the coming games and you look it's the business end of the season as we keep hearing from everybody it's so important that we have a fit squad and, and really looking at it I think maybe other than what is it Nicholas Otamendi and Fabian Delph I, I think we're, we've got a reasonably clear uh, bill of health well, so, Delph's alright isn't he because um, he played the other week didn't he so um, yeah but I think he's picked up another, another knock yeah I think he's picked surprised. up another knock because uh, that's why he didn't go on international duty didn't he but it's um, Fulham I mean it's, it's never it's never particularly easy down there um, I think the gulf in the two sides is just is huge I think if City turn up even at 70% of the normal performances I just think watching Fulham this season they're just going to struggle to live with us um, maybe I'm going to eat my words but I really can't see it I, I just think, see a comfortable, I think City will be comfortable well win yeah, well I do. Yeah. Like Guardiola's talked about April and you know coming back after the international break and this being you know the, the this is the real quiz this is, basically. It, isn't it? This is what they've got to go for and he'll send them out with them being away from home they're, they're, you know, talking about 70%, I don't think there'll be any of that. Maybe against Cardiff, I think they'll go all out, strongest team, or whatever Guardiola thinks the strongest team is, on Saturday. And then for the Cardiff home game, you know, maybe make a few changes for that and, and get get people through. But I don't think there's going to be any room for for error on, on Saturday. So it should, should be a good start to well, this crazy period. It's going to be crazy because the next four away games are actually in London as well. So you've got uh, Fulham away, then you've got... Um, Tottenham, Brighton. Crystal Palace, with Brighton in the in the FA in Cup. The FA oh, Cup as well. Are they London? <laughs> they're not well, London. the FA Cup. So, yeah, it's Wembley, Wembley, isn't it? So, oh, yeah. is that Wembley? Yeah, you're right. So sorry, yeah. my um, and then Spurs are like a few days after. So City might even. I don't think they've decided yet, but they could well, stay down then, really, stay down there between, games. and then they got Spurs again. They got Palace. So there's all sorts going on. There's been a bit of talk about City, it might not be true, but the idea of some kind of like London training ground. And I know producer Niall is really against this. Like he had a big rant before the show about being against the spirit of the game. And I kind of think it's kind of logical. I don't think it'll happen. But uh, it's absolutely not going to happen. Well, there we when go. The story came out. That's the end of that one then. <laughs> when, when the story Moving came out. Moving on swiftly. <laughs> when the story came out, I turned to my wife, who's, well, I don't think she's a bit of a media nerd at all. I'll just force it on her. And I, went, <laughs> the, I was like, the press officers will be ringing around in a bit saying this isn't true. And about two hours later, it was, by the way, have you seen this story? It's not true. So, I mean, the idea. I don't know, like, it doesn't count towards FFP. Well, you can yeah. make as many investments in the I think the idea is actually quite good because they could use that maybe as a southern base for their academy, you know, when the yeah. players are not training there. So you're opening up a new pool of potential, you know, that, that maybe the likes of Arsenal and Tottenham and Chelsea would normally snap up. So I, I could see the the kind of logic behind it, but you just really don't see it ever happening. Speaking do you? I of... Um, realistically, I don't. Speaking of new things, uh, Spurs Stadium has been doing the rounds Ooh, yeah. on social media. That's beautiful, isn't it? It's a beautiful stadium, I've got to admit that that massive kind of like wall as well they've got on one end but can that be seen as an advantage now given Spurs is like in general Spursiness which is yeah. a, a term that is pretty much accepted these days to me I would be worried if I was a Spurs fan of us not scoring the first goal there I'd be thinking oh no we're not going to score the first goal at the, our new stadium it'll be Aguero or someone like that um, is it going to be advantage or this massive huge beautiful weight on their shoulders you well, know they, it's definitely an injection of, like they've got a load of new impetus from this. Obviously, yeah. the, the first home game, probably fortunately for City, they've got Palace at the weekend, uh, or even midweek, I think it is. Yeah, the midweek, because they've got Liverpool, which obviously everyone's hoping they win at Anfield, and then take that impetus back to Palace, burn it all up, and then run out of it by the time City <laughs> come. But yeah, I no, like your style. But so. The thing is, if, if, if this game, if these, well, these two tyres, one of them was at Wembley, you'd think, you know, I still think City are going to go through. I, th I still think City are going to make the semi-finals. But if it was at Wembley, I'd be like, yeah, definitely. But just with the new stadium, the, the, the way these things kind of influence things, they're, they're going to be well up for it. The fans the fans are really excited. I, I know quite yeah. a few Spurs fans, actually, and they can't wait to get there. And it's going to be a, it's going to be a big atmosphere. It's, it's, going to be, it's going to be one of those factors, like we were saying earlier with Fulham, where 
it's one of those factors that goes against City. You know, the biggest thing that City got in their favour is the fact that they're great and they're the best team in England. But it's one of those things. It's not ideal. So that's, you know, something to worry about as far as that first leg of the Champions League game goes. But obviously the second leg is at the mm-hmm. Etihad. And obviously, as we've seen at the Etihad, when it's a big game like that, as we saw with Liverpool earlier in the season, yeah. Yeah. the atmosphere is going to be great anyway. So yeah, it'll be rocking. I think, it's going to be levelled out. I mean, I think, st- I mean, I think the stadium will ultimately give them a bit of a boost. I mean, it's been a yeah. long time coming. I think everybody's been anticipating it and it's been delayed. Delayed, delayed. Will be allowed, so I think there'll be a yeah. sense of relief. I think the fans, from you know, obviously the, the images we've seen, it looks absolutely unbelievable. But at the same time, though, Sam, it's still unfamiliar surroundings for yeah, these yeah. players. So you know, I, I'm kind of balancing it out. I do think the euphoria of this stadium will will play a part, but I also think they're not used to playing in it either. Just like just like we're not. Yeah. So maybe it could level itself out a bit. But I think the key thing there is, you know, City fundamentally are a better football team than than Spurs. So if we perform to our potential on the day, we should get a result, a, you know, a positive result to take back to the Etihad. The fact that the second leg's at the Etihad is, again, yeah. a, I would say, a huge advantage. I know it's kind of got diluted over the last few years. Maybe it isn't as big an advantage, but I still see, I still see it that way. So, again, I think, I feel we're going to be strong enough to go through like you I feel it's going to be tough but I think we'll be strong enough to go through that tie and I'm not gutted whatsoever that I'm away on holiday and miss that uh, <laughs> the first ever game uh, in the Champions League at their new stadium I'm not gutted I'm not even thought about it once <laughs> yeah not. we'll take your word for that mate not one so, player yeah, who could on. be absolutely huge for City during this running because um, there was well, much was be. made. It should be, it probably will be. It should be, would be, who knows. Leroy Sane, obviously, he's been in and out of the team this year. I think mean, it's not really down to ability with Sane, as we all know, because he's fantastic. But there's been some, obviously, question marks with Guardiola every now and then about his, his focus, I would say. Uh, something like that. And he played um, a big role for Germany in midweek and obviously he gave, um, allegedly, Van Dijk a pretty hard time. No, no, uh, he did. He did, and he was very, very good. He scored a nice goal as well. Uh, and he was actually kind of playing like vaguely central. Yeah, he was. He was yeah, yeah so, well, he was. Like, is there a future for him potentially there? I'm not sure Guardiola sees that really. Yeah, well, but- it's funny because... That, that was asked of Guardiola a few weeks ago. He said, can you see him playing through the middle? Yeah, he said no, didn't he? Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, to be fair, it wasn't exactly like... You couldn't put a position on it. You couldn't say he was like a number eight, like was David Silva kind of played. Yeah, it was. He was just, kind of in between the wing and a striker, yeah, that kind was, of middle of the, yeah. of the two, really. Uh, but he was yeah. starting from deep and then he was... He was running onto it over, when they were getting it over the top or they were yeah. opening up spaces in front of the defence and he was getting onto it there and Van Dijk would have to come out of his position and you know they were kind of yeah. meeting in the middle rather than Man- Van Dijk having somebody to actually It's like the old-fashioned inside left to yeah, the role yeah. where you know, Colin Bell was an inside right and that was the sort of position he, he took on. I think Sané looked like he played that kind of position the other night. I, 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 did you watch the game? I, I thought he was all right, Sonny. I didn't necessarily think he was sparkling. His finish was fantastic for the goal. I mean, the way he, yeah, yeah. he kind of cut a good it. Finish, right. isn't he, so. Brilliant, brilliant. I'm not sure he's ruthless enough in front of goal to be a striker. I think his best asset is his pace. And his best asset for me is utilised on that left side or right side where he can torment fullbacks. He can make them commit. He can whip a ball in. You know, I, I, I don't ever, re- unless he's doing a job there, like we've seen Bernardo do this season and we've seen Sterling do this season down the middle. I think he'll be used very, very sparingly by Pep in that type of position. Where is he on the contract front? Have you heard much rumours on that, Sam? Well, yeah, again, because well, with Guardiola saying this about him not playing through the middle, he might have thought this week that maybe he could. And it's a bit like Zinchenko, because Zinchenko's played really well for Ukraine in, in the central midfield, yeah. midfield role yeah, and last yeah. night in so defensive in midfield. Mm-hmm. And But like, so obviously Zinchenko, he's going to sign a new contract. Uh, I think if that's not all definitely done, it's pretty much done. Or is he going to those things where they, they may be able to offer us in the summer? Like, no, stay? no, no, I think he'll stay. I that's think great. I think they're you know, Guardiola's really convinced of, of how 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 much he's improved and you know his character and everything like that. And I'm buzzing for him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. For a guy, a guy that got offered ten times his wages or something to go to Wolves to, and play regular football, to say no, I'm gonna stand and fight my ground and, and, and establish myself at City. That takes some bottle, doesn't yeah, yeah. it, to do it? And and some self-belief to do do it so sorry I, I just no, 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 I'm fine. buzzing by the guy I, yeah, think he's, I think he's proved himself handsome and he deserves to stay at City he's been fantastic he's yeah. a fantastic player and he's done himself proud and he's one of those guys that essentially he's propping up the squad for his personality but anyway guys we're going to go to a break in a bit we want your opinion still on the best and worst Manchester City shirts I'm going to throw in a contender now for the worst one and going for the Manchester City kind of like silver grey monstrosity with the Idus from 99 2001 <laughs> do you remember that grim Sean Goat wearing that made it look yeah. good but uh, still Goat would look good shirt. in anything though wouldn't he it looked good in a bin bag <laughs> 
I don't know sure, about that. We love the goat. We love the goat. <laughs> we do love him though. But anyway, Manchester Football Social, MCR Footy Social on Twitter. Get tweeting in your worst and best ever kits and we'll be back in a few minutes. Manchester City Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. I'm Sam Lee. I'm joined tonight with Danny Jackson and Steve McInerney. Indeed. This part of the show in particular is all about you. So if you want to get involved, you've still got plenty of time, you can give us a call on 0345 777625. Give us a text on 87711 or tweet us, as most of you do, at MCR Footy Social. In a bit, well, we've got plenty of questions to get through. They've been really coming in the last few minutes. But first, we've been promising to talk about it all night, so the time has finally come to discuss, well, these two guys in the studios and yours, best and worst all-time City kids. This is, of course, in light of that monstrous mashup that Nike have come up with in what some kind that? of celebration of their time. Maybe that's kind of like, that. you know, when you get fired and you kind of leave something on your boss's desk it's a bit like right <laughs> a you're not, you're not using us anymore it was you're all going to old... Puma so here's something to remember yeah. us by I mean I'll take a bit of a back seat for this one but I'll tell you what the the away kit last season well the home kit last season simple easy and classic obviously iconic because of what City did on the pitch the away kit that purple one that's not just a favourite City shirt that's one of my favourite shirts about you know that's no, the I'm berry, a big fan of the that berry one. one I think is that, it's called, is that what it's called? Well, I'm calling it purple anyway. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. But I, I like, I like that one. This year's away one I quite like as well. But in general, for me, I always go back to lot of the classic ones when I was a kid, which I think is kind of human nature. So as I said before, that's how I've chosen mine. Yeah, the, like the worst ones for me, um, definitely that kind of Idos one, um, that that kind of weird silver monstrosity that Sean got around out. And we had a few Lecoq Sporty ones that weren't all that in general. Likewise, some of the, the Thomas Cook era ones. Uh, I always kind of... I think some of the Umbra ones uh, that of recent, anything with Sergio Aguero and that kind of black and red one, that was gorgeous. You know, that awake black and red shirt, that was absolutely gorgeous. With the, where the actual kind of stripes kind of carried up well around the arms, which I love. Kind of, um, and a lot of the Kappa ones were really nice. Danny? Yeah, uh, Kappa, you know, that wasn't for me, the Kappa. They were too oversized, weren't they, the Kappa? You used to wear them, they were like baggy as anything. I, um, again, I've, I've kind of picked one from being a kid. I don't know whether this was my first top or kit or whether it was my second but it was very very close but I think it was the 82-83 home kit the Saab one the blue one which is very plain yeah, little classic, white cuffs yeah. they, they, they kind of released it as a retro shirt in the city store about three or four years ago and I bought one um, I just love it it's just a classic sky blue and white Saab on the front you know not too fancy no patterns in there absolutely love it um, I, I also I've got to say as well, I like the, the all black Yaya Toure, the one that I always imagined yeah, Yaya Toure nice. in, the literally all black that was a bit shiny. I said Sean Goat would look good in a bin bag. Well, Yaya, Yaya Toure virtually wore one, but it had a, <laughs> uh, an Etihad uh, sort of logo on the front of it. Um, the worst ones for me, it was the 88, I had to search this, but I remembered the kit, 88, 89 away top. Now, if City are going to play in red and black, it's got to be stripes, of course. This was like a beer mat effect. It was just <laughs> horrendous. Uh, and also, I don't know if you remember the 97, 98, the, the third kit, the yellow third kit that they did. Oh, I don't know if you remember that. 97, 98, let me Google that. Was Grim. It- Grim is probably chance? the best way to uh, yes. Oh yeah, with the, the, the Grim. Yeah, that was absolutely. And then weirdly, the year after, they kind of got it all iconic, didn't they? With the famous 98-99 one, Dickov, which yeah. to me is will always be iconic, even if it is technically yeah. a bit of a monster. I, I do think some as well. You do tend to you know pick a kit, maybe your favourite kit, based on do, yeah. the players that wore it, based yeah, on, yeah. on on what happened in yeah, the, the time moments, that they wore yeah. in it. You know, I think you you sort of have a bit more uh, affinity with that sort of kit, don't you? But no, if I'm going out and out kits, we've not because we were. We were absolutely crap in 1982, 1983, 1989. <laughs> we, you know, we were pretty poor again in 97, 98. But, you know, for me, that blue Saab kit was definitely my number one. There was some from Dan Healy's on Twitter. Um, he picked out the, the white one with the red and black sash. I loved that kit. I yeah, remember I loved Silver it. In it. Niall's it shaking his head. He's not, not having it. Not a fan. No, Niall's wrong, unfortunately. Yeah, Niall. In fact, Sorry, yeah, it's free on one here, Niall. Yeah, so it's that, a bit but, cigarette packet, that, but it is nice. <laughs> but whoa! Sam Lee it is but when David Silver's wearing it you know he needs to calm himself I always think of Gareth Barry with that one yeah I yeah do. no it's, yeah, it's yeah, good, good, call, yeah, good call yeah good call it's a nice shirt the thing but, is um, Dan's kept us going on this thread but they're, they're looking through all the replies there's one that crops up more than most and speaking about players in it poor old Richard Dunn 
Which I don't know. I don't know if it's the, oh, the default image. Just, just as you, when just you, as you said. Oh the, yeah. Was it the 2006 oh, that, seven? Somebody says, and or, it's orange, <laughs> like a little, a, one little yellow wavy stripe going oh, down Donnie. the right hand side of it. Donnie, Thomas Donnie, Cook Donnie. sponsor. Is that the Cox Sportif? Yes. The yellow. Yes, yeah. There's yes, a lot. There's a few in the replies saying that. What about Tom that Spence one, Steve? Worse is, that one. Oh no, worse is the latest. I've got that top. Oh, the, the Alano. The I remember Alano wearing that okay. top. The, the white one with the little blue yeah. sash thing little on the shoulder. Kind of corner sash. Yeah. Cool. Right. Before we go uh, any further down the world of kits, I think we're going to start right. our kind of little question kind of Ooh. time. Where essentially we've got a bit of a timer, and I think uh, producer Niall's got the timer ready, and we're going to run through a few questions. All right, guys, I'm going to read them out to you two. Oh, you're you reading can, them out. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I'll read this one. That you can go to the next ones. Uh, we'll go for. Um, initially we'll go for John Ashley 87 he's asked uh, be ready for this you've got 30 seconds on the clock um, me, me or Sam uh, who wants to jump in not bothered go you for choose. it so we'll both do it we'll both do it go, okay. you've got 15 seconds each <laughs> <laughs> John Ashley said three senior players who are most Ooh. likely to leave City in the summer uh, Delph seems quite obvious God, I can't go into my usual amount of detail with this. I think there's a decent chance it's not as Delft level of certainty, but I think Gundogan could as well. Um, another one, Danny, do you want to help me out? No, because um, I've written Gundogan and Delft, okay. so I'm yeah. with you. Um, I think company will get a contract. Um, Otamendi, maybe? I can't see anyone else. a chance else. If, if he's got I, his eyes on I another side. I can't think of anyone else. Yeah, Paul. And, yeah, so there we go, Otamendi. No, by no means a certainty, but I'd go with those ones. Right on the on the thing. I, I probably agree with that actually. Del- right on the gong. Mendy, right on the <laughs> gong. Uh, another question. Uh, Sam, do you want to go one and choose one maybe? Uh, yeah, Let's why not? We've got, we've got loads here. Let's pick. Let's pick the the one that I think is going to split you two. Maybe, maybe. Okay, go for it. Um, from this one. his <laughs> name. His name is Ryan Vance, but his Twitter name is Chicken Nub Love Stub. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got with a great question. question for City fans to be fair and he says if given the choice would you take the league or the Champions League go uh, league always the league for me uh, the Champions League to me is the big beautiful cherry on top of the gorgeous cake but you want the cake you don't want the, you know, the cherry on its own I think the best teams always win the Champions League once they won the domestic league I feel it, it feels a bit hollow otherwise that's just my opinion I've got I've got I've ch- I changed my mind as the season's gone on. At the beginning of the season, I would have said the Champions League. Now I do say the league, but that's mainly because I can't have Liverpool winning it. Yeah. And I think because of the way that the season's materialised, I think I would take the league now and not the Champions League. But I was different at the beginning of the season. Domestic treble, bring it on. Bring it on. Go on, Steve, give us another one. Another one. Um, right, Mark 8 City. So Mark Garrett reckons his question here. Are you ready, producer? Uh, are we going to bid for Declan Rice this summer if we have no transfer ban? He seems a really good player already with lots of potential. I Well, I don't I don't think so. I think there's other targets. I don't know about Saul Niguez. I'm going to ignore all those questions about him because I just don't know, to be honest. Um, Rice does look really good. I think Guardiola is a big admirer. I just think bringing him in to play the amount of games he'd be needed to next season might be a bit too soon. What do you reckon, Danny? Yeah, I think he's he's a one-season guy. I think to spend the kind of money West Ham, obviously with the England tax, English tax, should I say, on, uh, on, on Rice, I think he's going to be a lot of money for a guy that is still relatively unproven. And for that kind of money, for me, we need to be... Sp- Flashing it on on Dembele from uh, Leon. <laughs> the English tax on rice is that a Brexit thing? Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a, a total disregard for the first second time there. I admire <laughs> sorry, it as well. The Manchester City way. We sorry, do what extra we want. time. It's Fergie time. That. Go on, I've got another one here. Um, which is quite philosophical actually. Um, it's from Jan uh, Yo Unchained on Twitter. And he put: Should acts off the pitch contribute uh, towards who wins FIFA, uh, PFA Play of the Year? Yeah, I think if you may be thinking about Raheem Sterling with that question, I would absolutely say it should. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, away from his performances, which have been sensational over the last couple of seasons for City, he is a role model off the pitch. He says what's, he wears his heart on his sleeve, he's, he's inspirational to young fans everywhere, and the guy can play football. So I think it should play some part in it, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, in the past, I think it was the FWA, the Football Run Award, that um, Scott Parker won. And that was kind of like for yeah. service, and I think yeah. Giggs won yeah. it as well. So these things do go to yeah. towards it. Um, so to finish off, maybe we don't get the the clock out because we've got About two, two or three minutes left. There's a lot of transfer talk, and one of the questions here is, well, basically, the ideal players that City should go for this summer. So if we're saying no transfer ban... 150 million to spend, maybe a bit more. Oh, we more. did this last night, yeah, but no um, I've got my thoughts. Yeah, well, I've got some as well, and Danny, I'm sure you will. So, 
Who do you feel, Sam? Well, who are you thinking? Oh, well, um, well, basically, I'm just going to go with who they're probably interested in already. I, I can't look past Ndombele from Lyon, yeah. as Danny was saying. He, he just looks like he's got everything. He, he's young as well, but he just looks like he's got that com- combative side that Fernandinho's got. He's also really good on the ball. You know, in that Fernandinho he, way, he's a machine. he keeps it simple. I mean, I, I don't profess to say I've, I've seen a lot of him. I've, I've, I've watched him a little bit more since we played because I, I went over to Lyon for the game and he was one player that I was talking about on the way back. Uh, the home leg was the same. You know, he is a, a bit of a machine, isn't he? A, he's, he's got that presence in the middle as well, which I think we need a little bit of. You know, we've got quite a small team, so I think getting somebody that has that height and an aerial threat as well as presence, he's a fantastic player, though. I mean, for yeah. me, if I was going to be spaffing big money I think it'd be on, uh, on on him over somebody like Declan Rice it's interesting isn't it because City obviously wanted Jorginho last year a completely different type of player yeah. they wanted um, Frankie de Jong as well who's a completely different type of player yeah. someone who can like kind of squeeze the game up and make the whole team press so it's not just him winning the tackles but I'm not sure if they might have run out of those types of players and I think Ndombele is one to go for um, I think a, le- a left back will definitely be on the yeah, league I, was say I would say back. Yeah. I mean I don't know who whether it's Chilwell to me I do rate Chilwell I think he'd fit well into our system but I think he'd be a lot of money uh, so I, I don't know Sam left backs I'm not, I'm not yeah, sure how he's out there well, really. I, yeah, I don't I think mean, Chilwell will be top of my list but I think he might be top of cities uh, it's 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 a tricky one. Of all the players they've been linked to, I mean, there's none of them really definitely leap off the page. I know Grimaldo has been yeah. knocked around, but th- think it's quite a boring way to think about it. It's not like something fun, like with Mendy and going, oh yeah, this guy would be great. But, you know, with needing a homegrown player and that kind of thing, mm. I think it'd be uh, a reasonable price as well. So maybe him. And then if I can just finish off on one we'd probably all agree on, but it's never going to happen. Mbappe is probably the one that we want to get because we haven't got you much said time only there. 150 million now so the budget <laughs> is, well, uh, is not is not vast enough so so on that note and that glorious Mbappe note we're done unfortunately that's the end of the Manchester Football Social don't forget search on your podcast providers Manchester City Football Social and subscribe to that so you get every episode coming through Manchester City Football Social subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show Cheers for listening. Thanks for downloading the show. As ever, we've got a little bit of extra chat. Danny's had to leg it because he's Mr. Busy, Mr. Manchester City. But Sam and I have hung around. Also, before I go, don't forget as well to subscribe to the Manchester Football Social podcast. Search Man City Football Social uh, or United One if you want to, but I don't see why you'd do that listening to this show. And make sure you hit that subscribe button. But we're going to talk about a few little small things. Um, we're going to talk about Sane's contract in a little bit more detail because we kind of glossed it over very quickly. Mm. Um, so, so what's the state of play with this, Sam? Because obviously, you know, you're doing your research and all that kind of stuff. Whilst the main message from City is they still think he'll sign it, um, and you know St- um, Sterling's dragged on for a while, yeah, um, and obviously he he signed it back in October November, so they got there in the end with his, and for What's a while, that, well, yeah, they got there with his, and for a while it was looking a bit iffy, and at the moment I suppose Sane's is looking a bit iffy. I think it's been delayed so far because his his dad is his agent, and he's also um, helped out by like another like UK based agency. Um, but because his dad's involved, his his mom's involved as well, um, and you know some of the problems that Sane had at the start of the season, when obviously he didn't go to the World Cup, so everyone expected he'd be hitting the ground running in yeah. the team, but you know he didn't, and Guardiola was kind of doing that thing where we'd say, oh, Leroy Sane is really good, isn't he? And he'd go, well, actually, he needs to do this, this, yeah, and this, yeah. um, and then it got to the stage where he was left out altogether of the squad. I think it was the Newcastle game, um, and that threatened to be quite a big thing. And in the end, Guardiola just went, oh no, it's fine, but it wasn't fine. There was. And somebody told me recently when I was writing about Sane, because this is kind of a sign of how his season's gone up and down. I think it was before, yeah, before the second, no, before the first leg in, in Schalke, I was writing about how Sane had overcome all his problems and he was looking great again. Yeah. Going back to his old club, blah, blah, blah. And then obviously since then, he, well, he didn't start in, in Schalke. He scored the amazing goal off the bench, but he started a couple of games since and he's been taken off early and he's not made a big impact. So he's kind of wavering again. The... The root of the issue at the start of the season was a family situation because his girlfriend was pregnant. She's now had the kid. Yeah. Um, but his his mom and dad, it was kind of like a girlfriend versus mom and dad kind of thing. And he was obviously, <laughs> he was stuck in the middle. Um, as I say, when I was doing this piece recently, somebody who knows Guardiola told me that um, they thought it was, what was it, irreconcilable problems at the time. Which oh, really? I, when I was doing reporting on it at the time, I just thought it was like a kind of a, oh, he just needs to focus a, a bit. Yeah, like but apparently mind. they thought it was quite serious at the time. Um, and yeah, so now we 
fast forward to now and it, his mom's kind of getting involved with the contract and it's not financial apparently it's not like she's piping up on the phone going 250 grand a week like i don't know maybe maybe they want all the family closer together maybe she might be pushing for a transfer or something like that i mean that any... that that bit is speculation on my part but it's not financial and i'm just trying to work out what it could be you know to to delay things and, yeah. and maybe stop Sane signing a new contract maybe a part of it is you know he's he's not assured of a starting place and he, he might be looking somewhere else. But My worry is um, there's a Real Madrid factor. Because, yeah. Because, you know, Zidane's been brought into obviously, obviously uh, a huge change. It's going to happen. Real Madrid are going to splash the cash big time this summer. Yeah. They're going to go for some big players. They'll here. get Hazard. Hazard, I reckon, is probably likely. But, I mean, Sane is also a potential poster boy given given he's quite glamorous. He's a fantastic player. Uh, he's got an un- uh, untapped potential even now, I reckon. He's the worry for there for me. One guy, though, genuinely, um, this is a question from uh, Delfacito on Twitter. And he, he asked, basically, what are the chances that Chenko might actually supplant Benjamin Mendy permanently as our left-back? Well, if you let me kind of... I've, I've not written anything on this yet because basically I'm not sure about it. And it, it sounds kind of dubious to me. But again, speaking to people last week, what was it about? It was about Sal, Sal Niguez. Um, yeah. And obviously Zinchenko's going to sign that new contract. Um, but the, the guy I was speaking to, um, he was saying... He'd spoken to someone at City last week and they said, Zinchenko's going to sign a new contract. But because of his evolution as a player, they actually, City don't want to sign a left-back anymore. Oh, don't And, I mean, we were a bit pushed for time at the end of the show and I couldn't really get all these caveats in. I don't particularly think that's true. Oh, do I? For a start, I've heard a lot of the Chilwell thing. To be fair, not from City side, more from the Chilwell side. But that seemed, there seems to be a lot of work done in that. So unless they've abandoned that, I'm not sure. But, so... Don't take that as gospel. I don't, gospel. I don't really believe that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's why I need these kind of yeah, podcasts no, and radio yeah, things, yeah. just to, so people know. It's it's just it's an idea that's floating around. But, I mean, Guardiola was asked this specifically about two or three weeks ago. Is Zinchenko now playing so well that you don't need a left-back? And he said, well, no, because if Mendy can get injured in two seasons, he can get injured in three. Yeah. So, and it wouldn't be much planning on City's part to go into next season. Because as much as Zinchenko's improved, he's still not, like he's still not brilliant defensively. And yeah, fine, no, agree, neither is yeah. Mendy. But if you've got Mendy, who might get injured again next season, might not make it through this season. Well, hopefully he does, but we're well, not sure. It would be a risk. So I still think City will sign a left back. But to go back to the original point, Zinchenko has become now so reliable, so much better than he was when he first played there. If there were to be injury next season and Zinchenko were to play a lot of games, it wouldn't be the end of the world. My take on it is that I think we have to have um, be quite. Uh, cautious about Zinchenko really because uh, Fabian Delph is the, the prime example people forget like Fabian Delph was genuinely good last yeah, season at left yeah. back he was well people have it, forgotten yeah they have forgotten people I've seen a bit of revisionism online as ever because it's just kids on Twitter but they acted like he didn't play well last season or we didn't get tested by anyone like that's nonsense he played away at Napoli he played against Hazard did really well he played essentially in pretty much every big game last season and early he, on yeah that Chelsea away game was the first one and that was like the end of September yeah yeah how early in the season is the end well. of September and essentially, uh, he was very good last season. Uh, and that, to me, is a precautionary tale for Zichenko because this form is, this recent form is only over like five games, five, six games, and it could drop off a cliff out anywhere. And for me, I think we'll actually go into the season uh, in a relatively unique position of having three left-backs. I think Delph won't be considered. I think he might be moved on. Yeah. And I think it'll be Zinchenko, uh, Mendy, and another. I think Mendy is, I think he'll get another season to... Because I think he's potentially yeah, yeah. so high exactly. uh, that I think they'll see him as worth their potential investment. And I can't see them just giving up on him. But I think Zinchenko's already proven that he's willing to be, you know, the squad guy is willing to be around. So they'll think, well, do you know what? Zinchenko can do a job. Uh, and if, if it happens that we get another left back and we have Mendy and Joe, well, we'll find a use for Zinchenko somewhere else because he's such a good lad or we'll sell him the year after. You well, know? City are good at that. And particularly with Mendy, it's kind of last chance saloon for him. Yeah, but yeah. it's kind of like, well... If you don't react to the challenge of a new guy coming in, then that's on you. But if you exactly. do, then City are going to have maybe the best left back in the world. If he carries on, you know, if he carries on the form that he's shown for City yeah, yeah. so far over the course of a whole season, that is scary. And I think that's what City will stick around for. But if he doesn't, then I wouldn't be surprised if a year down the line he might be on his way out. That's the situation he's in now. Basically. I guess time will tell on that front. Anyway, guys, this is the Manchester Football Social. Don't forget to search Man City Football Social where you're listening to it right now. So if you do, make sure you hit that subscribe button and we'll be back every single Tuesday with the Manchester City Social with Bloomer Rising. I've been Stephen, this is Sam, Danny's gone and we'll see you soon.